Hi everyone, today's episode is all about Palestine. We're going to talk about how colonization affects or hinders the ability of the Palestinian people to achieve climate justice. With me is going to be Soha Jarrar, she's from Al Haq organization in Palestine, and she's going to be sharing her own personal experience as a Palestinian living under occupation and how that affects the ability of the Palestinian people to achieve climate justice. Hi everyone and welcome to our third episode of the Climate Justice series on the Ajial podcast brought to you by Youth for Nature. This is our third episode and our final episode for this series. Today's episode is about Palestinian land rights and inequality in resource acquisition. And with me is our guest Soha Jarrar from Palestine. She's a senior research and advocacy officer at Al Haq organization. And her research and advocacy work is focused on gender, environment, and climate justice in the context of occupation and human rights violations against Palestinians. Thank you so for being here with us today. Um, the purpose of this episode is to connect social justice with climate justice. It's to highlight struggles of local, indigenous, native communities. And I'm actually interested to know how would you identify yourself so how after I introduce us. Um, and number three is to also discuss socio-ecological uh, interactions. So our first segment is quick, uh, a, a quick question with a quick answer. Number one, isolationism versus integrationism. Integrationism. Is cultural justice part of environmental justice? Yes. Name one thing you lost due to occupation. Um, my family unity. From 1 to 10, how much would you rate international solidarity with Palestine? Um, four. Okay. Um, let's move on to our um, you know, main segment with the questions. Let's start off with if you could give us a quick overview of land and resource inequality in Palestine. Um, how is this different um, from other parts of the world? And um, what are the specifics of the inequality regarding resources and land rights? Well, basically, uh, the main inequality there is um, the right to uh, control or have control over the resources. So Palestinians uh, in that regard do not have control over resources is because most of the resource rich areas in Palestine are controlled by the occupation. And uh, by that, I mean, um, the areas that are classified as maybe area C, uh, which is an area that um, makes up about 60% of the West Bank. And I'm talking now about the West Bank, not the Gaza Strip per se. Um, and, and Israel's uh, complete control over these resources, including water, and uh, the deprivation of the indigenous people of Palestine residing in these areas over these resources, while all the while the Israeli illegal settlers have complete access and complete connection to these resources. Yeah, um, and, and so how are the social, economic and environmental conditions of colonized Palestinian youth different from those in the Western world? 
Well, there are a lot of similarities, actually. Uh, it depends also what you mean, by, which category you mean by the Western world, right? Like one of the most striking things to me were while I lived in Canada, for example, or in, 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 uh, in places abroad, uh, were the similarities uh, between the, um, the, the deprivation of uh, over resources for indigenous peoples uh, inside Palestine and indi indigenous peoples outside of Palestine as well. But the main difference is that this is happening here within the context of occupation. So you have two authorities, you have one authority that has which is the Israeli authority, the occupying power that has complete um, um, control um, over resources within its jurisdiction while indigenous people are still residing in those areas. So a lot of similarities for sure in terms of uh, deprivation, in terms of access, in terms of access to clean, for example, water, uh, let's say. Um, but a lot of, uh, um, a lot of uh, differences when it comes to uh, kind of like the political aspect of it or um, how it, it, it came about um, and, and uh, how colonization is, is also uh, defined. So neocolonialism versus uh, colonization and occupation that is happening on the ground. Okay, and so, so when the world is demanding of Palestinians to join the climate movement, what is lacking in Palestine that is, you know, um, pre preventing Palestinians from joining the global climate uh, movement? What is lacking in Palestine or what should be demanded specifically in Palestine for Palestinians to be ordered to achieve climate justice? What do you mean by not being able to join the climate movement? So in the Western world, when the climate movement is demanding for climate uh, or, or climate justice, they have, you know, all the background um, needs or commodities that allow them to, you know, um, go on the street and demand for a better climate, less, less greenhouse gas emissions. And that includes, you know, public services, national security and all of these things. So well, what we're trying to tell our audience is that due to occupation, that um, is not relevant in Palestine because occupation needs to be solved before Palestinians need to join that climate movement space. I wouldn't say necessarily that Palestinians have not joined the climate movement though, because the climate movement is not just about mitigation. Uh, climate change has two main pillars, right? It's mitigation and adaptation as well. But what is relevant to Palestinians is adaptation and adaptation comes with acquisition uh, uh, to resources and the right to access these resources. And I would say that Palestinians have made a lot of efforts, um, especially the youth have made a lot of uh, efforts in, in joining the global movement, just not in the uh, in the Western context, uh, not uh, through what it means for the Western world, because uh, joining the climate movement doesn't just mean that we are calling for renewable energy or calling for clean energy or et cetera. It also means that we're calling for adaptation uh, um, abilities. And, and this is what applies to Palestine. And this is what applies usually to countries that do not have um, or places that do not have uh, the, the resources uh, in order to switch from adaptation oriented action 
to mitigation-oriented action. So I would say, in a sense, that Palestinians have joined, of course, not to a, in a very uh, at a very large extent. Um, but mainly, the 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 main reason why um, also we are unable sometimes to um, put this um, within the um, or under the umbrella of climate change climate change movement, let's say, um, is is because, first of all, climate change or uh, environmental rights defenders are human rights defenders. Human rights defenders are systematically um, uh, targeted in Palestine, including environmental uh, rights defenders. So um, in a sense, I would say that Palestinians are joining, have joining, and have been working um, under the umbrella of climate justice. Um, and from what I have observed over the years is that actually knowledge uh, about climate change and uh, education around climate change within, uh, especially amongst rural communities, has developed uh, tremendously over the years because of witnessing the impact uh, of climate change and not being able to do anything about it because of the occupation, because of the lack of access to resources, and because of the systematic targeting of Palestinians who are trying to work towards um, climate justice and social justice and political yeah. justice. Thank you for that. Um, next question is, how can youth elsewhere outside Palestine within West Asia or in the Western world or any part of the world support youth in Palestine in achieving climate justice and you know, under that social justice as well? I think there are um, a, a few ways, uh, not just one way. Uh, one way is obviously supporting efforts to end the occupation. And this is a main, main one supporting efforts to end the occupation this comes um through so many means that i'm not going to get into in details right now because we have a little bit of time restriction and this is a whole other topic as well um but supporting the end of the occupation means supporting uh palestinians achieving environmental and climate justice eventually um another way would be um to Collective, through collective action and through bringing together similar experiences of different parts of the world um, where people um, experience the same or sim very similar climate justice uh, or climate injustice, environmental injustices, um, but under different contexts. So bringing the occupation or bringing any context of occupation, not just Palestine, um, uh, there are other occupied, are uh, um, uh, other occupied countries out there as well. So bringing the occupation as a main obstacle to achieving climate justice is something that should be part of uh, the global climate justice movement. So, so what we're saying is, um, you know acquisition to land or land rights and resource equality in Palestine should and only should happen through ending occupation. That is the main focus. And by that, we can start to achieve that. Or is there a balance? Um, it, you, you, if, if you dig deep into the Palestinian issue, 
um, and the environmental injustices that are happen happening in Palestine, you really will not be able to find any other scenario uh, where you can achieve climate justice without ending the occupation. So yeah. ending the occupation is a main is a main one. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it's the main one. It's a starting point. And then after that, of course, there are there there uh, there are many things that would arise as a result of uh, unfolding uh, injustices that are happening outside of the context of occupation. But right now, wherever you go in Palestine, whether it's being in the occupied Gaza Strip, in the occupied West Bank, um, it, it, everybody, everybody will tell you it's the occupation. And we have tried to actually include you know, or diversify our research when it comes to, um, okay, let's not put the occupation aside, but let's talk about other things. It was really difficult, especially speaking to people who are impacted, the most impacted. Yeah. Um, so uh, last question, could you give us some examples of um, violations against socio-ecological practices in Palestine related related to climate justice and so as an example you know the occupation cutting down very old olive trees as part of you know um destroying that that relationship that in like indigenous palestinians have with nature so what what we're trying to you know highlight some examples of how indigenous communities in palestine um have like their relationship with nature and how is that being bombarded or you know destroyed by the occupation if you have like just a few examples of that absolutely uh the w the main one um i was or not the main one one of the main things that we have uh, observed while doing research and while speaking to people and also just observing and hearing stories. Um, storytelling is also very important when, when we talk about uh, indigenous knowledge and indigenous um, um, indigenous knowledge basically of the land, of, of the resources. These are very important things. Um, um, what access to water is a main issue and access to land and access to grazing areas because these are cutting uh, the possibility of herding communities uh, sustaining their traditional way of living, which is a sustainable way of living. People know the land, people know uh, what is good for the land. Uh, the indigenous people know what is good for the land. There is an example also that recently um, uh, Israel ha was claiming that um, one of the Israel, by the way, bans um, harvesting certain uh, certain things or certain um, um, certain uh, crops uh, by claiming that it is it is not good for the land. And then very recently, this was disputed by Israel itself. It was they were like, okay we were wrong. Uh, this is actually causing a huge problem that we're, we're preventing Palestinians from doing that, or not necessarily Palestinians, but in general. Um, obviously, of course, cutting, cutting down olive trees that are hundreds and hundreds of years old and um, have, have made, have been a main source of income, have been a main source of sustainability uh, sustainability um, for the indigenous Palestinian population um, 
mainly also by Israeli settlers who are illegally residing there. So the the intention is vindictive. The intention is not even, um, you know, uh, is not even uh, put under the umbrella of okay, this is why we're doing this. No, the, these are these are um, clear cases of arson uh, in, in in some cases, and, and they happen very very regularly. This is something that we document very regularly. Um, so, but access to water and land, especially. Uh, has made it very difficult to sustain uh, livestock, to sustain uh, herding communities, uh, traditional way of living, simply because if you don't have water, if you don't have access to grazing areas and access to these lands, you will no longer be able to sustain them. And this has prompted, unfortunately, many young people to resort to working in Israeli in illegal Israeli settlements and, and uh, abandoning their traditional way of living. So these are just two simple examples that I can that I can give you. But if we dig deeper and deeper, there are so so many examples that we can that we can find. Thank you, Sarah. Um, what we've learned is that um, climate injustice is directly is directly related to social injustice, and it is also you know causing cultural injustice at the same time because. The, re the relationship between indigenous people in Palestine and nature is directly related to how the culture developed um, throughout, you know, generations and generations. One last thing I'd like to ask you is, do you have any call to action, any, um, anything about the future that you'd like to ask of fellow youth or who might be listening to this? Well, I don't want to go into like technical things that we usually go into and say, okay, let's ask the European Parliament for this and let's um, you know let's let's do this type of action as I said before um, not to simplify the issue but let's think of um, the the experiences of indigenous peoples as um, inherently also uh, connected and integrated because Colonialism, the practices of colonialism are very similar and history repeats itself in a very, very obvious and clear way. Obviously, they're not identical in different countries. But um, again, one of the things that struck me most when I was living abroad is how much, uh, how, how much related we are uh, together. So if we're working on uh, climate justice in Canada, or for working on climate justice in North America, in South America. Um, when we try to understand the Palestinian, um, the Palestinian um, issue or the Palestinian uh, climate injustice issue, let's try to make it relevant. Let's not try not to complicate it in our heads and say, okay, but this is an occupation and it's a very complicated issue. No, it's not actually. Um, it's, it's simpler than people than people might think, and indigenous experiences are very very similar to each other. And uh, uh, colonialism and uh, colonial practices are also very similar. So this is something maybe to just start with, and how to how how we think about uh, about these things. And and what you mentioned also about um, indigenous peoples' relation to to the land and to the nature. Um, one of the things that one of the um, people said to me while we were doing some kind of 
research in, in one of the rural areas in Area C that was very remote and not connected, he said, we are not unhappy with our lives. We're happy with our lives. Our main obstacle is the occupation. Uh, just because you see us uh, not connected to water, that's that's not why we're not connected to water. It's not because we want to live like this. It's because we are not granted access to this water. So m maybe changing the way of, of thinking would be a good starting point, I would say. Yeah. So thank you so much. These were my questions. I know that we can draw a lot of more conclusions and ask more questions about this particular subject. Um, I thank you so much for this. Um, any additions to what you said will be linked in the comment box of this episode. Um, thank you, Sohal. Thank you, Diane, and congratulations on the series. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. This was our last episode on the first series of the Ajial podcast, Climate Justice in West Asia. Please don't forget to register for the webinar, the conclusive webinar of the series down in the link below. And we'll be having our guest, Dr. Rani Al-Masri. She's a regional expert, especially on the topic of colonization and Palestine. So tune in and register in the link below. And don't forget that we always have a blog post associated with every episode where we link more or additional resources and the bio of the guest speakers and how to contact them.